Luke chapter 16 and verse 10, it says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever's dishonest with little can be, will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly things, worldly wealth, possessions, opportunities, then who's going to trust you with true riches? And if you haven't been trustworthy with someone else's things, then who will give you property of your own? A little bit of context, this is the parable of what is called the shrewd manager. And it's this guy and his boss is about to fire him. He finds out, it's like, oh crap, I'm about to get fired. I, gotta, I, I don't want to like, I, he's got a lot of friends. I don't want him to ruin my reputation. So I gotta, he thinks fast and he goes and finds all these people who he knows they owe his boss money. And he's like, hey, tell you what, why don't you do this and bring a, a, a fraction of the money, but we're going to pay it all off in one lump sum real quick. And he does all of this. This, uh, he thinks fast, and he go, goes to his, his master. He gets this all paid off, and his master's like, it says, he commended him for being a shrewd manager. He commended him for thinking on his feet, for taking what he had, and thinking quickly and using it as opposed to just being lazy. Now, you might say, okay, the context of this is we're talking about money and wealth, but it's so much more because here's the, here's the thing. Here's what we need to understand, what you need to write down, is everything, our time, our possessions, our relationship, everything that God has given us is borrowed. Everything that you and I have in this life is borrowed. Everyone say it's borrowed. Everything you have, your time, your treasure, your money, your relationships, your opportunities, the things that you get in this life, everything that you have is borrowed. Meaning, it's been entrusted to you or lent to you by God, who in this case would be a parallel of the boss, right? So God being your boss, being over us, has entrusted to us everything that he's given us. Meaning, we are on borrowed time. It's borrowed. It's not ours. But here's what I want us to understand. Is that what it shows is that the little things, and we're going to get to this, The little things are significant, not because in and of themselves they're significant, but because we're on borrowed time, everything that we have, we're called to multiply it. You see the parable of the talents, and God gives one person one, and he gives another two, and he gives another five. And the one with five, he goes and doubles it and makes ten. The one with two and goes and doubles it and makes four. But the one with one, what did he do with it? He buried it because he was afraid. And what he misunderstood was that what he was given was meant to be a seed for something that was more. And what you need to understand is that everything that you've been given, everything that you and I have been given, our money, our possessions, our relationships, everything that we've been given, whether it's small, it's a little, it's a lot, is a seed for what could be. And a lot of us in here, we feel like we've been given the short end of the stick. And I want to say that you probably have, but you have something. And if you're not careful, instead of planting the seed that you have been given, you bury it and nothing ever comes from it. And you wonder why there's no fruit in your life. It's because you didn't plant the seed that you were given. There's a lot of people who you would say, you know, they've been given all these seeds, and maybe that's true too. But you have something. Everyone open your hand. There's something in your hand. Okay, and we're talking in the context of family, but it's in every area of life. There's something in your hand. The question is, will you plant the seeds to see the fruit that you say you want to see? Because we all want to see fruit. 
We all want provision. We want future. We want destiny. We want purpose. We want opportunities. We want career. We want money. We want families. We want good relationships. How many of you want, you want good relationships in your life? How many of you want a great family in the future? How many of you, you want a dysfunctional family? Like you can't wait to have just drama everywhere you go. Okay, no one wants that. But a lot of people, they plant the seeds that says that they do. See, there's not a lot of people who are willing to plant the seeds that will eventually grow the fruit of a good family. They want the fruit of a good family, but they don't want to have to plant the seeds and water the seeds that are eventually going to, though they start small, grow into the fruit that you say you want to see. Let's read this one more time. I want to read it in the the, uh, New Living Translation. It says, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. If you're faithful... In the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest, unfaithful in the little things, you won't be faithful or honest in the greater responsibilities. I want to speak on this idea of fruit follows the seed. If you're taking notes, write down fruit follows the seed. Fruit follows the seed. Let's pray. God, we pray tonight um, that you would speak to us. And, uh, God, that you would leave us changed. God, we don't want to be the same as when we came. We want to be different. Um, God, so from the inside out, would you even tonight, would you plant a seed in our hearts, uh, a vision? Um, I I even want to, just for a moment, I want to speak over anyone in here who feels like they've been only given a little bit. That you would say to them, I gave you a little because I know you can do much with it when you partner with me. God's saying that to you. You may not have a lot. You have a little but a little can become a lot in the kingdom. So God, would you plant those seeds in us tonight? Would you help us water them and see fruit and fruit that remains? In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Um, I've been around for a long time. Contrary to what this uh, this bogus survey said, I'm actually 34. I know I don't look 34. It said I was 33. I look 28, so I hope a lot of people guess 28. And if you didn't, if you put 42 on there, like, if it said 100, it's like, fine, because everyone knows I'm not 100. But if someone, I was like, man, I wonder if he's 42. Shame on you. (laughs) Not that 42 is bad, but I don't want to be 42 until I'm 40, like, 5. Then then you can tell me I look 42, okay? So I'm 34. I've been around for a long time. And uh, I've been convinced there's two types of people in the world, okay? Two types. And this is science. There's two types of people in the world. There's the type of people who eat their cereal and they drink the milk. And there's the type of people who eat their cereal and they pour the the excess warm, soggy, breadish, sugary, warm, discolored milk into the sink because it has no business being drank. By show of hands, if if you're brave enough, who is the kind of person who you eat your cereal and then you drink the milk? Ugh, gosh, I can't. I can't even... I can't do it. I can't. I can't do it. Okay, okay, let's, how many of, okay, but how many lukewarm people usually don't, but if it's like Cocoa Puffs, you'll do it. You're lukewarm. You're like halfway, you got a foot in each world, can't decide who who this day you will serve. Yeah. I'm one of those, um, You pour whatever amount of milk you want, you eat your cereal, and then you're done with it. I do not reuse the milk. It's gross. 
It's gross. It's warmer. And I grew up, I always wanted cold milk. I was real nervous to spend the night at my friends' houses um, for two reasons. One, if they had cats, I would wake up not breathing because I'm allergic. And two, because I wasn't sure about their milk. If they didn't buy it from the same place and keep their fridge at the same temperature that my mom did, then there was something wrong with it. Just work with me here. It's just how I was, okay? And I like my milk ice cold. Still to this day, if I go to a hotel or something and I have milk, I will put ice in the milk to make sure that the milk is cold enough. I'm I'm serious. It's just, just how I roll. But early on, and, and my brother Cameron could attest to this, but early on, we, we would go, uh, my, my grandma discovered uh, something about us. We'd go to my grandparents' house, and, and we'd stay at their place, and um, in the morning, we would, we would pour our milk in our cereal. And, and earlier, we, and this is what Hayden does now at three and a half, is we'd pour too much milk. And so we'd pour the milk, we'd eat the cereal, and then we'd leave it or we'd pour it out. And my grandma, being a frugal person, uh, said, no, that's, that's not happening. So over time, she would be in charge of pouring the milk, and then what she would do, this is the worst, because we, we were like, we were milk drinkers. Uh, by the time I was, at, I was 14, 15 years old, no joke, we bought 10 gallons of milk per week that we'd go through in our house. And I actually have calcium buildup in my bones and in my joints because of how much calcium I got from milk. It's, that's actually a true story. But um, we drank milk all the time. So my grandma hated this, and so what she would do is she didn't trust us to manage our milk intake. And so it's a true story. We'd go stay at their house, and she'd have the little Dixie cups. You know what I'm talking about? You know, the kind that when you go to the dentist office and you swish your mouth out before you go in and get your teeth worked on, that size, the one-ounce cups, she would put a one-ounce cup on the table, pour the milk, and say, once you finish that, you can have more. And it was the worst because I would say, okay, I, I, and again, this is just, this is me. I wanted a large glass because the milk it tastes better and better the more you drink. You know what I'm talking about? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. True milk people. And so I'm like, you can't get the full thing if you just have it in a little cup. And it was the worst because she, she knew though, this is, it was wise of her. She knew that me and my young brothers did not have the ability to properly and effectively manage our milk intake. She knew that if we poured too much, we wouldn't finish it. If we poured it into our cereal, we would waste twice the amount than we needed to. She knew that we were improperly equipped. We were not yet mature enough and ready to manage our milk intake. Now, this sounds funny, but some of us, here's what happens. Some of us feel like the people in our world, our authorities, people who are in charge of us, our parents, step-parents, our friends, whoever, we feel like they don't ever trust us. We feel like, it's like, why don't you trust me? Why don't you, re, you know, why don't you give me what I feel that I deserve? And I would venture to say that they actually do trust you. They just don't trust you to manage. They don't trust you with much. Because over time, what we do is we prove, just like I did as a kid, that I was unable to manage my milk intake. We prove to people that are in our world and over us, our parents, we prove to them that we are unable to manage ourselves what God has given us. So they say, you know what, I'm unable to trust you, so I'm going to keep my hand over you because you've proven yourself unworthy of trust. Are you tracking with me? 
And so what happens is then we say, well, but wait, 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 wait. I want more. Give me more milk. And they're saying, show me that you can manage your milk intake. Give me more freedom. Show me that you can be obedient by keeping your room clean. Give me more money. Show me that you can spend yours wisely. Give me more a, a, a later curfew or more opportunities, whatever it is for you. And if you're wondering, why do I don't get more freedoms? Then you might need to ask yourself, have you been faithful with the little freedoms that you've been given? Because we say, once I get the nicer car, I'll keep my car clean. It's a farce. It's not true. I, I'm thankful that my parents told me when I first got my 1985 Volkswagen Jetta for $1,500, I remember the day that my parents bought it for me and they brought it into the parking lot and on my break at Starbucks, I walked outside. They like, hey, guess what? We just bought you a car. You have three months to pay us back. I'm like, it's not a gift. They, and they didn't even give me a discount. Like, come on, mom and dad. They bought it for 1500 They sold it to me for 1500 It's like, at least give me like a 10% like family discount. You know what I mean? I'm not bitter about it. It's, it's okay. But I remember my dad said, Taylor, I know this car isn't that nice. Like, it's cool. I, I'm really into the old Volkswagens now. I like the, the old Euro cars. They're cool to me. Um, he's like, but, it, but this wasn't cool. It was, it was all beat up, and it, it, was, it was cloth interior, and eventually all my door handles got stolen, and my CD player and my speakers. Literally, they stole the door handles. Like, come on. <laughs> the door, who steals the door handles? Like, take one off, steal everything out of the car, but at least leave me some door handles, you know? Stole my door handles at the Kent Red Robin parking lot. But anyways, that's another story for another day. And uh, that was my first mistake, yes. But they, they, um, he's like, Taylor, I know it's not a lot, but how you treat your car now is an indicator of not only how you'll treat your future cars, but the more faithful you are with this right now, it's going to open doors for you to get a better car that you'll want to keep clean. And it's so funny because I started to keep that vacuumed, and I would keep it cleaned, and I would take my garbage out. You never saw... And I'll give people a hard time. I ever get in your car and there's a McDonald's cup on the floor? I can't do it. Now, unless you got a three-year-old, then you don't have an excuse. But it's funny because what we do is we poorly steward what's in our hand now and we wonder why we don't have more. Because when we're faithful with what we've been given, the little, God gives us more because he likes to give to people want things that he knows they're going to take care of. You wonder why you don't have successful relationships because the ones in your own home you failed to steward. Remember, everything you have is borrowed. God has given it to you to steward. And if you and I aren't careful, we poorly steward what we have and we cut ourselves off from what God wants to bring us in the future. Can I tell you what God desires for every single one of us in here? No matter where you're from, what your experience has been, what your narrative is, what your family life is like, whether your parents are together or separate, whether you have money or you have none, whether you've had opportunity, whether you've been through hell and back, or you've lived just a perfect life, wherever you're from, what God desires to do is to give you more. But what you have is what's in your hand. What are you doing with it? Are you hearing me? God desires to bring you fruit in your life. But he doesn't give you fruit, he gives you seeds. 
God desires to give you more. God desires to bless you. And I know that's kind of a a, a hot button type of word. But what I'm saying is God has good things that he intends for you. And he's given you everything that you need to go and get it. But he doesn't give it to you in fruit form. He gives it to you in seed form. So what we are faithful with now has an indicator of what God is going to give us in the future. But if we can't be faithful and prove ourselves to be faithful with little, then we're never going to see the much come. Uh, We had some friends over recently, and he had a dollar bill. Um, And Hayden was there, and he... Were, did any of you, ha- like, make the dollar bill rings when you were a kid? And if you were good, you could get, the, like, the one to show on the ring. I had one for each finger. I used to walk around, like, cash money millionaire, kiss my ring kind of thing. Okay, no, whatever. Um, and I loved these rings, and he made, made one for Hayden. She was so excited about it. She's running around the house, and she's got this ring on her finger. And it's so funny because later in the day, I come around the corner, and I see shreds of this dollar bill all over the floor. Literally, she had taken it apart, and she ripped it up. And she was in this phase of every book she had, she'd rip it apart. I don't know why. And then later, she'd complain why it was ripped. Why is my book ripped? And she, she literally ripped, <laughs> she ripped up the dollar bill, and it was all over the floor. Can I tell you what I didn't go and do? I didn't reach into my wallet and give her another dollar. Partly because I didn't have one, but <laughs> I didn't give her more. You know Why? Because she proved herself to not be ready to handle what we'd given her. And it's not that I didn't want to give her another dollar. It's that I'm going to wait until she has the the aptitude and the ability to manage the little that I've given her. I don't care about the dollar, but what I want to see is that in my daughter's life, that she can handle the little things. Because the more she can handle, the more I will give God sees you the same way. God wants to give you more, but he's trying to see, can you handle what I've given you? Are you with me? You with me? Okay. What's in your hand? Everyone say, what's in my hand? Some of us, we feel like God's given us little. It's true. Some of you, you feel like you got the short end of the stick. You got a little. You didn't get a lot. You don't have opportunity. And can I tell you, emphatically, it is true. You have little but you have something, and it's a seed. And you get to choose whether you're going to bury it or you're going to plant it, you're going to water it. And there's a difference. And I want to be the kind of Christian, I want to be the kind of person who believes that every seed that I have has the potential to bear fruit if I'm willing to plant and to water and allow God to bring the growth. I want to read this one more time, and I'm going to give us a couple quick thoughts, and then uh, we'll do some worship says this, if you're faithful with the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest or unfaithful in the little things, then you won't be honest or faithful in the greater responsibilities. Now, in in the Greek, this word little things, it means things that are small or underdeveloped as in a seed. That word faithful means to be convinced of something, not having to be persuaded. I love this. Not having to be persuaded. As if to say that when you get a seed, you're not disappointed that you got a seed. Like when you get something little, you can't see, you you only see what's in your hand, but you know, I I got a strawberry here. 
I got an apple tree right here in my hand. See this apple tree? Check it out. Why? Because you know the potential in the seed. So to be faithful in the little things is to know always what the potential of what in your hand is. To be aware of what's in your hand and what its potential is. To know that the relationship, the family, the opportunity that's in your hand now is about so much more than what you can see right now. It's what could develop out of it if you plant and water the seed. If you're faithful with it. Faithful with little. Think about it this way, and this is what, you want, what I want you to write down. Faithful in little means planting the seed. Faithful with much means eating the fruit. Faithful in little, write it down, faithful in little is planting the seed. Guess what? Faithful in much is, it's eating the fruit. The much is the fruit, the little is the seed. Faithful in much is eating the fruit. It's acting with knowledge that it can become more. So close your eyes for a second, just for a second. I want you to think of a negative current reality that you have in your family, in your life. And I'm not trying to get us to focus on this, but I want us to see something. It's a negative current reality. It's a struggle that you have. It's a family relationship. And we're going to talk about family in a second, but any, across the board. Okay, think of that thing. And here's what I want you to do. I, I, what, what God wants you to know tonight is that though he, you know, I don't know what it is for you, but God didn't cause any negativity to happen to you. But what he has done is given you seeds to plant. I believe that there are marriages represented in here that are broken, that God has given you seeds to plant to see fruit in the future that can be restored. I believe that there are broken relationships. There are people not sitting in this room tonight, and the reason they're not sitting here is not because they don't want to be here, but it's because something happened between you and them. And you've allowed division and strife and anger and bitterness and pettiness and vanity and comparison and arguing to separate you and this person. And I believe that God has given you seeds to see that reconciled and restored. Because that's what we do. We're Christians. We follow the patterns that Jesus set. But here's the deal. It's not your reality right now. The reality is in the seed. You can open your eyes. I want to give you three thoughts, three seeds for your family, three seeds for your family. And remember this, the fruit always comes after the seed. So if you want to see the fruit come, identify what the fruit is that you want to see. Relationship restored, family healed, whatever it might be. Think of what the fruit is. Now you'll know what seeds to plant. Let me give you three things. Number one, the fruit of freedom comes from the seed of obedience. This is in regards to our family. So bringing it back to love your family, the fruit, write this down, the fruit of freedom comes from the seed of obedience. The fruit of freedom grows from the seed of obedience. Pastor Steve was here a number of weeks ago and he was talking about when I was in high school and I wasn't a, I wasn't a perfect kid, but I do remember... Uh, uh, you, you, um, thank you for not saying like amen, like yeah, you really weren't. But um, I, I, uh, I remember when, when I, you know, I would get certain privileges and, and uh, when I, would, I got my car and, and all that kind of stuff. And I remember one day, my senior year, I think it was my senior year, maybe late my junior year, 
and my dad sat me down. And he said, Taylor, um, we're going to take your curfew away. And that was like a, a curse and a blessing <laughs> because then I broke, I broke the, the, anyways, I'll tell you about that one later. Um, but he said, you know what, you've proven yourself to be responsible. When you've been home by a curfew, you've been um, managing your money well at your job at Starbucks, and you've been doing this and this, and so we're really proud of you, and we want to let you know that we trust you. Big words, we trust you. And so we're not going to have a curfew on you, but if we see that you're out and you're, you, you, something's changing, then we're going to talk with you, and we have the ability to pull this freedom back. But we trust you. So we trust you because you've proven yourself to be faithful. You've obeyed the small things, so we're going to give you more. And here's the deal. Raise your hand if you wish you had more opportunity and more freedom in your home with your family, more privileges. Raise your hand if you've ever gotten your phone taken away. Anyone? Okay. There you go. So let, I, want, I, want you, I want you to hear this. The, the, we, we want the fruit of freedom. The fruit of freedom grows from the seed of obedience. Every time you obey, you're planting a seed. Every time you do something that you don't want to do, but you do it because it's right, guess what you're doing? You're planting a seed. And that fruit is fruit you'll want to eat. Can I tell you something else, friends? Every time you practice your habit of dishonor, every time you disobey, every time you disrespect, guess what you're doing? You're planting a seed just the same. And every time you dishonor, you're watering that seed. Can I tell you, that fruit is poison you don't want to eat. And so many of us, we're eating poisonous fruit we don't even realize it. Guess what it came from? It came from the seed of disobedience. Stop planting the wrong seeds. Start planting the seeds of obedience. You'll reap the fruit of freedom. How many of you want the fruit of freedom? Then you got to plant the seeds of obedience. We've unlearned this in our culture. And I'm old, but I'm not that old. 34, not 42. Thank you. But man, we, we, we've learned some bad habits. And I believe that this generation has everything that we need to turn that around and learn the culture and create a culture of honor and respect and, you know, looking up to people and honoring them for the position that they hold, not just because we like them or don't like them and learning how to honor and obey because God has placed that authority over us. I believe that we are called to create that kind of culture, but why, why do we do that? It's not just because we want to obey because we have to, because we know that when we obey, we're planting seeds and that's the fruit that we want to eat. I'm telling you, the fruit of freedom, it is so good. And it's different than the fruit of disobedience or the seeds of disobedience that plant the fruit of captivity. I can't tell you how many hundreds, maybe even more, kids, girls, guys, with mom and dad, where we've sat in my office, and they start to taste the bitterness of the fruit from the seeds of disobedience that they planted. The seeds of dishonor that they planted. And all of a sudden they're like, I don't like how this tastes. 
Why do you have to take my phone away, Mom? Why do you have to take my car keys away, Dad? Why don't I get to do this anymore? Because you planted the seed of disobedience. Are you tracking with me? And I'm not trying to say that if you don't then or if you do then. I'm not trying to give you an if then and a reward where it's like I'm only obeying because I want freedom. What I'm saying is that there's a pattern in life. And when you plant the seeds of obedience, you start to reap the fruit of freedom. Okay, you with me? Make sense? Good, okay. Number two, the fruit of favor grows with the seed of honor. The fruit of favor grows from the seed of honor. The fruit of favor grows with the seed of honor. We read this a few weeks ago. I'll read it again. Ephesians 6.1. This goes with both points. Ephesians 6.1 verses 1 or uh, through 3. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. But then he goes a step further. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Every time you honor Every time you respect, even when you don't feel it's deserved, that's a tough one, isn't it? You ever had to respect someone that you feel they didn't earn it from you? Ever felt like you had to honor someone where you feel like they don't, they're not worthy of that honor? But see, when you honor, when you show respect, when you show honor, when you obey, it's not about them, it's about you. And a lot of people, we, we say, I want you to do this before I'm willing to give you what I think that you deserve. Man, I'm just really glad that Jesus didn't do that for me. That Jesus didn't give me what I deserve. I, de- I deserve eternity away from God. I deserve a lack of purpose. I deserve failure. I deserve no opportunity. I deserve retribution. I deserve nothing that I have. But Jesus, in his kindness and his goodness and his richness of his mercy, saw me dead in my sins and my transgressions, and he made me alive in Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God did not give me what I deserved as if not only to give me what he wants to give me, but to set a pattern for me to follow. That when I see people who I don't feel are worthy of grace or honor or obedience, I'm going to do it anyways because it's about me responding to what God has already given me. Come on, are you with me tonight? Let's be the kind of people who stop Playing this, you deserve it, you don't deserve it game. And we start giving people things in accordance with what God says about them and in response to what God did for us. That's what we're called to do. You feel like your dad doesn't deserve honor? Can I tell you, every time you honor, you're planting seeds that are eventually going to bear the fruit that says, I want to honor him because he deserves it. Something that happens when you do that. Every time you honor your mom, every time you honor your dad, every time you honor the authority that God has placed over you, the imperfect authority that God still chose to place over you, every time you're respectful, every time you, I love this, every time you disagree without disrespect, every time you choose to prevent your eyes from rolling when they want to. It's like, okay, dad, I'll do that. 
Every time you say, no, I'm not going to roll my eyes because I know that I'm 15 and I'm not as smart as my dad who was also once 15. I'm not going to roll my eyes. And can I challenge you to not go to your friends and then dishonor your parents behind their back? Not send a text to my dad, yeah, I effing hate him. Piece of whatever. You laugh, but it's what we do, isn't it? And we wonder, wonder why we see patterns of bitter fruit that we keep eating. Because God sees it. And our heart knows it. We're planting seeds in here. Bitterness, anger, angst, resentments, unforgiveness. And we walk around carrying this weight. And suddenly... We can't even bring ourselves to want to do what we know is right to do. I've been married 10 years, almost 11 years. It'll be 11 years this May. And it's awesome. Um, and in the course of the 11 years, we've had several, maybe even more than several fights. At least a dozen and, uh, in the 11 years. And, uh, but it's funny. You ever been in a fight with someone? <laughs> You ever been in a fight with your spouse? Okay, you're not married, but where um, it can even be that like you're sitting on the couch and you're both on your phones and you just, you know you're supposed to address something, but you just don't want to because you're just still mad. And you're just, you, you just don't want to bring yourself to it. You ever, you ever been in those shoes? No. You ever had someone you know you got to make something right, but you don't want to or whatever, and you just hold it against them because... You don't want to have to humble yourself and fix it. Alyssa's like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, yes, Taylor. Yes, preach, preach. Just kidding. But it's funny because it's one thing to honor in, in front of someone's face but it's another thing to honor them in your heart. And God cares about how you treat people, but he cares more about how you see them. Because if we're not careful, we start to see other people through a lens that is inconsistent with what God says about them. That while we didn't deserve his grace, neither did they. But God gave it to them anyways, and he's made them right with him. They're complete, they are whole, they're forgiven, they are brand new. And so we look at them, though, through a lens that says they don't deserve the grace that I didn't deserve that I got anyways. And so we treat people and we honor them in accordance with what we think that they deserve. And if I can challenge us with anything tonight, whether you have one parent at home or two or you don't even know your parents, you live with your grandparents, you live with a friend, I don't know where you are on, in the spectrum, but can I challenge you to plant seeds that are painful to plant? They're going to reap fruit that is beautiful to taste. Plant some seeds that are hard to plant. Honor and bite your tongue really hard until you walk out of the room. And if you got to scream at a wall or into your pillow, or you got to write your unfiltered thoughts on a note and then delete it, which I would recommend because the cloud keeps everything forever. But whatever you got to do, man, can I tell us, I, we've said this before, but the best habit you can develop in your life is the habit of honor. Develop the habit of honor. 
that you honor your mom and dad. You honor the authority that's over you. You honor your friends. You don't talk about them behind their backs. It's not how we roll. I'm tired of dealing with gossip. Tired of dealing with people who are biting each other's heads off. I'm tired of dealing with people who all they ever have is people, negative things to say about people. When they leave the room, they all start talking. It's like, this is garbage. It's not how Jesus was. And we're planting seeds and we don't even realize it, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of others. And we wonder why we sit around eating the bitter fruit that we wonder where it came from. We planted the seeds ourselves. Stop planting the seeds of dishonor. Plant the seeds with honor and you're going to see the fruit in your life. Amen? Come on, amen? Number three is I invite the band to come up. We're going to close in worship in a minute. The fruit of blessings comes from the seed of thankfulness. The fruit of blessings, that fruit comes from the seed of thankfulness. Thankfulness, thanksgiving, a grateful attitude, a grateful heart. And it just opens the door to blessings in your life. And no, I'm not saying you write a thank you note so that you can get like a gift card in the mail or something. But man, I remember uh, there have been times that this has happened before, but um, we had, uh, we've, we've been youth pastors now for 10 years, Noel and I, and it's been an awesome, awesome time, and we, we love every second of it. And um, I, I remember uh, years ago, um, there was someone who brought a thank you card and wrote all these things in it, and I still have it in my office today. I remember a time recently where Alex, Leilani, um, wrote, wrote thank you notes. Hey, thanks for all you do for us. Just want to let you know that it's seeing fruit in our lives. We're thankful for that. I love that, and it's not that I do anything for for a, a thank you card. But I love seeing that because what I would love to say to those people, I already said their names, Leilani, Alex, and plenty of others, if you've ever written a thank you card or said thank you to anyone. But what I want to say is every time, and you should hear this pattern, every time you plant a seed of thankfulness, you're planting a seed of blessing in your Bible says that the, the world of the people with the generous spirit gets larger and larger and larger. And what we do though, this is the pattern. This is what I've done. Is I focus on everything that's not working. You ever done that? Like if you close your eyes and you think about your life, what do you go to? You go to the worst day you've had recently. You think about what's not working in your parents' relationships. You think about the last mistake that you made. You think about what that person didn't do for you. You think about everything that's not working. You know what I'm talking about? And so what do we do? Our focus gets on all of the things that are wrong But when you're thankful, you change your focus to what is working. You change your focus to what is right. And you start to move to 
towards that. And when you give thanks, whether it be to God or to your mom or to your dad for working hard, when you thank the people in your life with a phone call or a thank you note, or you see a veteran in Red Robin, you say, hey, thank you for your service. Whatever you do, every time you do that, you know what you're doing is you're planting a seed in your heart. I'm a thankful person. I'm grateful for what I've been given. I'm grateful for what I have. And you're planting seeds. Bless it every time you do it. I want to be the kind of person, instead of seeds of bitterness, instead of seeds of disobedient, dishonor, plant seeds of gratitude, thanksgiving, obedience, honor. You know why? Because I also want to see the fruit of freedom, an opportunity to be great relationships and fun and joy. How many of you want that kind of stuff in your life? Let's plant the right seeds. Can we do that? Would you stand with me?